All right, welcome everybody to our latest Between the Races podcast on the MX Vice Network. Thank you everyone for listening and supporting the site. We really appreciate it. We'd firstly like to thank our sponsors in Monster Energy, Fox Racing, Parts Europe, Scott, Bell Helmets, Achebe's, AS3 Performance, Kawasaki UK, KTM UK, and even Strokes for all their incredible support, as without them, none of this would be possible. All right, for this episode, we've got another cracker, special guest, Moto Media heavy hitter, heavy hitter Jace McElpine from Gypsy Tales. Thanks for joining us, mate, and for uh, taking the time to chat. It's good to speak with a fellow Aussie. So how's things? Yeah, mate. No, no, life's good at the moment. Just uh, drinking some nice Australian coffee, which uh, feels feels good. Pretty dreary weather here at the moment. So, uh, so yeah, it's like actually kind of perfect time and sit, have a coffee, have a chat about some moto. So, uh, yeah, life's good, mate. Yeah, cheers. Uh, it's good timing, obviously. Uh, you join us, a lot going on in the sport, and obviously you've just sort of recently moved to Dubai. And sort of how's the move in general going, mate? Obviously a big change. Um just give the listeners that don't already know a quick rundown of the sort of catalyst and motivation for the move. Obviously, big change of scenery to sort of continue growing your Gypsy Tales empire. And I know you did a cool post about it. And it's it looks like a pretty smart choice to expand the horizons, even though it would have been a lot of hard work and sacrifice to actually make the shift. Yeah, yeah. It was, um, I guess, the it just got to a level with the podcast where it was like it was kind of doing good. Like there's... Uh, a couple of boys that work for the podcast that have really like they handle so much of like the editing and the the kind of daily grind which is what I was sort of really stuck doing for a few years and then yeah just kind of like I don't know it started ticking along it was doing good and it was like all right I either get super comfy and just settle down and you know like have kids and fucking turn into a moto dad and sort of do all that or it's like have a crack and keep kind of pushing forward and yeah I just feel like there's um there's just maybe a bit more out there you know like a a bit more left out there to 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 grab so I was like you know what I've I've got a little bit of uncomfortability left in me like I you know because like you said these things they put you out of your comfort zone they take a fair bit of sacrifice you leave friends and family and all that sort of stuff um and yeah I was like you know what I've got a little bit of that left in me at some point I won't so I'll make the move and yeah for us like I think we've got the supercross and motocross stuff pretty dialed nowadays like in terms of the audience and the people that are listening and um when I went to MotoGP and Formula One last year there was so many people in the paddock that listened to it and so many of the riders and drivers and I was like all right I've feel like I could probably kind of expand into into this as well so obviously the Middle East is in the middle <laughs> of everything um, and I think if you look at the way that they spend money on motorsports and the way that they prioritize motorsports like that doesn't really happen in in Australia so I just sort of had it in my head like all right here's some people that are kind of already moving in the same direction that I'm moving um so hopefully try and get some synergy happening there so yeah pretty uh pretty big move but for four months in i'm pretty glad i did it like honestly i'm i'm riding the most i've ever ridden too i bought a gas gas 450 out there and it stays at the track and just been working on my sand riding so um yeah no honestly been enjoying it yeah and you're doing the world vets aren't you mate and um so you obviously be should be in pretty good stead to hit that uh full assault mode and yeah, I, meant, I mentioned you, obviously, you're saying you sort of don't mind the chaos. You you love that sort of thing. It's a pretty cool approach you've got. You um sort of thrive when the when the sort of chips are against you. So, 
yeah, it must be uh, pretty fun riding every day and just sort of putting yourself, yeah, out of your, out of your comfort zone because that's sort of how a lot of people, you know, live their life. And it's good to sort of, I don't know if the word suffer sort of is the right word, but just in no matter what you do in sport or life, having that bit of suffering does build the character, doesn't it? Yeah, and I think it's honestly probably just all I've ever known too. <laughs> like I haven't had that many years where it's just been real comfortable or real cruisy. Like I guess I've always been kind of, especially in the when I was in the States and I was filming and I was like always, I always have felt like I've been trying to make it, trying to make it, trying to, like I'm trying to get, oh, if I just, you know, get to this next thing, like then it's going to be a bit easier. Then it's going to be a bit easier. But I figured out that as soon as I get semi-comfortable, I just like stack more shit on top of my plate and then so I just never feel like I'm fully comfortable or like I've kind of got to where where I want to go so yeah no, that's pretty cool and how, how do you sort of feel about your place in the moto media landscape obviously it's pretty cool what you do it's different um it's unique it's it gives like just really great insight obviously being able to do three to five hour podcasts with writers that you know they usually don't give up their time to to most places so obviously the relationships you've um built with them of what put you in that place to be able to do that and it's um it's pretty cool mate so you I reckon you settled in pretty nicely yeah I think um yeah I just wanted to do something different and and like to be honest I just I've been watching uh I've been watching Rogan for since like 2012 maybe so it's like over 10 years and that was the only podcast I ever watched so like if people watch his show and then they watch gypsy tales it's like pretty much the same thing and then that's literally because that was the only podcast i ever watched and i sort of saw what he did for mma and what how the sport grew and how the characters grew and how he was able to like really tell their stories and i just thought the well that doesn't exist in motorsports and i know i think that why it works so well with him is because he knows so much about the sport and he's so like kind of deep in it and for me like I've just spent my whole life in it I've traveled around doing the you know doing the U.S. Supercross U.S. Motocross like so I guess yeah I just felt like I could relate in a sense of what those guys go through and could kind of understand where they were at and yeah I thought this no one else is kind of doing it in this way I I didn't want to be like anybody else in a sense you know like I thought this is something I could do that's different to what other people are doing and and it's like it's what I enjoy too you know like I sort of say I still say like I don't really consider myself as like media in the sport um although I guess you sort of it's a maybe a bit of a blurry line um but yeah like realistically all I wanted to do was kind of create a platform that let the guys be able to come on be themselves and you know people are always like oh you, you shouldn't swear you shouldn't do this I'm like well I just want to have a normal conversation like it's very I think it's very disarming for the guys when they come in and they're just like oh okay like he actually this actually is chill to just say whatever you know it's not I don't know it f- feels like it operates like outside of the industry to a sense but um yeah so I don't know I just wanted to kind of make a place where guys could come that was different and um and I think that you know one of the things that I love the most is I love when there's a guy that comes on the show that doesn't do interviews doesn't do podcasts doesn't do anything like that so like you know Jason Anderson was a good example of that Casey Stoner was a good example of that um so that's like one of my 
that's like one of my main goals is like to get people that don't feel comfortable to do it anywhere else to do it here. Um, and it just gives such valuable insight because a lot of times the guys that say the less actually have the most to say. Uh, and then the other one is when you get a guy that's very polarizing that people don't necessarily like, and then it creates a ton of different fans. And the Cooper Webb episode is a good example of that, where it's like, you got so many people that, cause he's like a polarizing guy, you know, he's actually a dude that people either love him or hate him, you know? And then you just read through the thousands of comments and there's so many people that are like, wow, you made me a Cooper fan. Fuck, didn't want to listen to this because I knew I'd like him after it. So it's like, I guess that's the, more than being like Moto Media, that to me, I think is, is what's cool is you either get people that don't do interviews or you get people that are polarizing and people don't really like them and then you create a bunch of fans just through genuine conversation. Yeah, that's the key to it, isn't it? Obviously making it comfortable for them and making them feel relaxed because obviously, you know, a lot of things are quite formal and, you know, they want to keep it professional and they don't want to say anything out of turn. And yeah, it's pretty cool. Obviously the Shimoda one was a good example where, you know, he doesn't really, he's not that comfortable with English, but he certainly, yeah. you know, to get get a few hours with him um, is a pretty impressive effort. And yeah, it's sort of, yeah, it's, it's a funny world, isn't it? Because they got to sort of balance that fine line between um, not oversharing and, and sort of, you know, it still wants to be entertaining for, for people to listen to. So um, would that would that be the most challenging part for you, just trying to get them to open up and I suppose creating that platform because it's not easy? Well, I think, um, I mean, I don't know whether it's like, I don't know, maybe it's not for me to say, but yeah, I've just, I feel like I get the feeling that people come on knowing that that's what's going to happen nowadays. Like I feel like there's a very clear this is what one of these podcasts is sort of like, you know? Um, and I think that's cool that it's become a space where people, where it's like, okay for people to sort of share. And yeah, maybe sometimes, yeah, sometimes I'm like, I, yeah, I don't know. I think it's just a little pocket of the industry where people can go to like, not be in the industry, if that makes sense. Yeah. Do you, do you obviously you have a lot of criticism and, and hate that comes your way through it? And, um, well, what does that sort of motivate you further or how do you how do you sort of combat that? Is it, is it just you don't give a shit anymore pretty much? I don't really know like how much hate we get. Like I, I definitely think there's, I mean, there's probably a ton of people that wouldn't like it or wouldn't like me. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's like the common comments that come through of like, oh, he talks too much or like, you know, there's, oh, stop swearing. That's like, one that people say all the time but i'm like i talk to all these dudes in private they all fucking swear i swear like i just don't care this isn't this is an adult show if you can't if you don't want to play it with in front of your kids that's fine play them another interview that they do like this is it is what it is <laughs> but um but yeah i mean i don't think we have any like i don't know like legitimate hate that kind of comes towards us and the thing is like there's so many people listening nowadays that it's just like what's a few you know what's a few people that that don't in a you know like literally millions of views that come through every month so i think i I probably used to care a bit bit more than i do but yeah nowadays like honestly we're making money so fuck it yeah that's it mate yeah it's obviously you're always going to get some and it's polarizing a lot of the you know some of the things or some of the guests you have and their opinion so you know it's overall it's it's good and obviously people 
you're getting exposed to those riders in those situations. It's definitely good for the sport, mate. And just I uh, wanted to sort of think where you go. I think one thing though, like that I probably, there was probably a point last year, I guess, cause I was like really trying to promote the world supercross stuff where people were like, Oh, he doesn't like American supercross. Like that was one thing where I was like, all right, I feel like there's probably only a handful of people in the world that have put as much effort in the last five years into American motocross and American supercross as me. So it's like literally it's thousands and thousands of hours and I've spent thousands and thousands of dollars like paying staff to edit content. Like I definitely care. So I think that was probably like one bit of criticism where I was like, all right, don't think that's true. Like if you actually look back at it, you know, but, um, and I think too, there's probably sometimes I think people will come on the show and talk, like really kind of speak their mind about different issues and different things within the sport because they know that I'll, it'll still get posted. No one, like I really don't make any money from inside the moto industry. You know, like we get, we get paid mostly off YouTube and then we've got, you know, like Manscaped and Athletic Greens and like these outside, like just real world podcast, you know, like podcast world sponsors. So I think it that kind of puts it in a bit of a unique position where like I'm not part of a Racer X or a Vital or I'm not, then there's like no media passes and you got to walk in the trucks. And so there's like a, I think there's a, there's something to that. And I think that people kind of come on and say what they want to say because they know they can in a sense um so yeah i think sometimes i get like just lumped into or criticized for not caring or wanting to stir shit or whatever but a lot of times it's not the case it's like people just come on and say whatever they're gonna say like the hurlings podcast was a good example of that you know like he went all in on like the qualifying races and there's no show without clint like he he went in and it was like I think that reflected on me. It was like, I didn't say any, like he, he literally, that's what he wanted to talk about. And I'm just talking about what he wants to talk about. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Obviously you got the reach and you sort of bridge the gap, but I suppose like you're basically like showcasing the sport to these viewers or, and listeners that, you know, might not be into moto and in a way you bring a new, a new audience to it. Cause you know, you know, sites like ours definitely rely on those moto sponsors and, it's definitely a challenge facing the industry, whether it be journalists, yeah, any sort of media and team. So um, you see like Roxham with the progressive Suzuki, like that's really cool to see, but it's sort of, and the gas gas guys do a bit of stuff. Um, you know, Barsha's team with some, with some pretty cool stuff, but yeah, it's hard to really get those big sponsors on board with supercross and motocross. And um, yeah, have you, have you sort of found that that's a challenge? Do the moto sponsors contact you for, to want to be part of it or is it sort of you're in your own league now? No, I guess like, I mean, there's definitely some moto people that, that we work with, but it's like Sam's my best mate from Fist. So it's like, there'll be a Fist ad on every podcast forever, you know, whether it's with fucking Cameron Diaz or like, doesn't matter who, you know. Um, and then we have done like for years, we've worked with MX Store and Oz, like they're just around the corner and like, that's where I would go to get my bike parts when I go ride and then rival it's kind of the same thing they're like friends from here um but yeah no it's just I'm not really ever gone gone after that many like kind of moto sponsors it's not like I'm opposed to it but and yeah they've kind of haven't haven't really 
reached out either, but I definitely think it does. There's something to the, I guess, like, credibility is probably not the wrong word because it's not like you guys and other places don't have credibility, but there is definitely something to not being able to, or like to not have any pressure from advertisers like you can say this you can't say this or like hey be careful because the series is sponsored by this and this and so yeah for us we kind of which it's caused i won't say it's like caused problems but it's definitely like it's come up before um when i have spoken to certain people um but yeah i think like i just have no bad intentions for the sport that's like you know there was a thing with like let's say for example the the hurlings talking about qualifying races okay well in 2023 we had the biggest change to qualifying races ever so it's like was he wrong or did they take that criticism or you know so it's like i actually don't think it's that bad of a thing to just call a spade a spade and then the right people hear it and then shit gets changed and it's like Maybe Jeffrey said that in public, in private, a hundred times, and no one listened. And then it wasn't until it gets like tens of thousands of views on YouTube or whatever that then they go like, okay, well we need to fix this. And that's I don't know for sure that that's what happened. Maybe it was in the works before, but it's like it's a good example of maybe we should just start saying shit how it is. Like people don't need to get personally offended that a writer think something's not right you know and I, and I think that that trend could probably continue through all of the sport you know like you said you know pro, like rider safety and injuries it's like let's just have a fucking conversation you know no one has to get personally offended by someone suggesting that something get changed it's like who's like who wants to live and die on that that hill and take it as like a personal attack so yeah i think um there's something to not having that pressure guys being able to kind of say what they want to say um and then yeah i guess shit actually changing as a result of it is kind of cool if if that does happen yeah definitely you sort of have that freedom to to talk about and have those discussions that are often probably not uh sometimes well received within the industry so yeah obviously talking about um suppose maybe may as well go on to injuries quickly but um you know, this has been the 450 classes, you know, the Supercross is completely decimated. You know, you basically got everyone. I think you're pretty much Sexton. Um, yeah, Roxon even got injured at the end there. You know, Barsha, Webb, Tomac, yeah, Anderson, Craig, Stewart, even ACAP and Nichols at this time. Like it's, and then the pro circuit and the Husky guys pretty much barely been able to get riders out. Um, so have you sort of, obviously you've, 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 you've spoken about this and, you know, is the series too long? Like, is it bad luck? Is there, is it the track? Is it um, just the nature of those back-to-back-to-back, no break, uh, just fatigue? Like, what's sort of your take on it? Because it's, uh, it's it's quite quite a big problem, you know? Yeah, I think, um, I think there's definitely, you can't downplay bad luck as well. Um, and I think this, this season's been a pretty unlucky season when it, come to certain injuries um i think that well i think that i'm probably only speaking for cooper webb on that one and then tomac as well like you'd say that's bad luck and there's it's funny there's so many people comment and be like well never wear alpine stars boots again it's like bro you can do that shit running 
So if you can do it running, you can do it on a fucking motocross bike wearing whatever you want. You uh, see blokes celebrating goals in sport, you know, ripping Achilles, yeah, like just being yeah. an idiot. So it's just yeah. bad luck. Yeah. Yeah. So I think like Coop and Eli, I mean, Coop had that crash and then got hit by AC. I mean, you, there's no 350, 450 control tire, sort of shorter season. Like, you know, nothing's going to fix a crash and an injury like that. So, I mean, you definitely have to, you definitely have to just accept that it, we're in the gnarliest sport in the world. And you even had dudes saying that, oh, AC should have backed off and not hit him. It's like, well, that's just yeah. the split second decisions, yeah. 30, 20 guys around. You can't say that, you know, there's, there's like no time for reactions. They're already going through so much mental processing that, you know, it's quite staggering how they even do it in the first place, all they've got to deal with. So, you know, it's just like, you can't, you know, you got to really, you know, what, you know, just think about what you're saying, don't you? Yeah. And no, I mean, yeah, there's just a lot of armchair quarterbacks, but that's what the sport needs. Like the sport needs armchair quarterbacks. And I think to, to just backtrack a sec, like that was one of my things with the podcast and the way that I do like thumbnails and titles. It's like, I, okay, I get some of them. If you really know about the sport and if you really get it, then you'll already know what actually got said or what was meant or like, you'll know the context that we've act, we've like taken something that was a direct quote out of context. But it's like, I'm trying to get those fringe people. The ones that are just, they might be watching like some random motocross crashes on YouTube or like scrub compilation you know, and then they see that and it entices them to, you know, like they might not follow racing or supercross and then that style of content, they've seen it before on Rogan or they've seen it on MMAfighting.com or they've seen that style of content and then it drags them in because it's like very familiar. It's very like YouTube specific content. And so, yeah, like I'm really trying to get those people into the sport because it's like, there's so many people that do a great job of, and a better job than me, of providing like nuts and bolts of who's testing or what shock, who's going where next. Like there's so much of that stuff I just don't really give a fuck about. So it's like, that's not, I don't look at that as my mission or goal, you know. Um, so yeah, it's like the comments about, they come from the armchair quarterbacks that I'm actually like try, trying to bring into the sport. But yeah, I mean, I think, there's definitely something to uh, the fact that it's 17 rounds in, what, 16 weekends. And I think a lot of it, too, like, we just went to 20 minutes. We were just like, yep, cool, we're doing 20 minutes in tw instead of 20 laps. It's like, all right, well, that's now eight laps that you've added to the main event. So if you think about how much your local track changes in eight laps, if any, there's not even that many people that ride on the weekend that would do eight laps so it's like you just think about how how much the track changes so you're just adding that onto every single main event and it's the same you know 15 laps for the 250s well now it's 15 minutes so they're probably doing 20 laps so it's like you've just added 12 13 laps to the night show of like gnarly racing so i think there's the sports change so much in the last even dude in the last five years, like the, you know, and especially going from 20 minutes to uh, 20 laps to 20 minutes. And it's like, we run the same format. The TV program stays the same. The amount of time they have for track prep stays the same. The like 
everything that we've done has stayed the same while the sport has really elevated. And then, you know, the bikes have got so much faster. They've got so much power. Even the 250s are like, you know, a Star 250F would feel like a 450 to a normal to a normal person, you know. Um, so I just think it's like a, maybe this year just came to a head where it's like we just saw a lot of dudes get hurt and now maybe we'll, we have to think like, all right, well, the sport's changed a lot in the last little bit. Maybe no, it's not like anyone's doing anything wrong or there's negligence on anyone's behalf. It just might be time where we all step back and we go, all right, let's try and like figure some shit out. And honestly, I think Casey Stoner had probably one of the best suggestions is he said that we should go to a Supercross tire. Like w- there actually should be a tire made for Supercross because I think that from what everyone has said to me, it's the transitions in the middle of the rhythm sections get so gnarly now and then the whoops get super gnarly and to me that's like the amount of time that they're on it and then the amount of power plus the tires that the bikes have and it's like we pretty much run the same tire at redbud as we do it uh like a, a supercross race so it's like a very different it's a completely different sport but we're running the same tire so i think I honestly think like there's so many people that they will shoot that down instantly without even giving it a thought. But it's like, I really think maybe there's room to at least investigate into something like that. And maybe you don't have just one brand that does everything, like does every tire. It's like not a spec tire, but maybe there's just parameters. Like the knobbies can only be this high. They can only be this many, or there has to be this many to where that they bring them closer together. But yeah, I mean, if anyone's ever ridden flat track and like a 450 on a flat track fucking hooks up. So I don't think that we'll have like a lack of, of traction, you know? So yeah, I just think there's, there's changes that could be made. I think that the, the five whoop dragon back has to go and probably just the dragon back in general has to go. I feel like there's a lot of dudes that have crashed on those, um, in the years, but yeah, I mean, you just, you definitely can't like nerf nerf the sport um but yeah i think this this year sort of shows that we probably should look to make some changes well said obviously that's a big conundrum facing the sport especially with supercross and to be honest um like we've spoken about on our podcasts in the past you know they're only going to be adding more supercross in the future it's hard to imagine it getting any less and with world supercross and it's obviously better for fans in a lot of ways supercross especially new fans it's comfortable it's stadiums the facilities are great um you know, motocross for ladies, let's face it, it's the wives and the girlfriends, you know, it's sloppy, there's mud, the portable yeah. toilets often have no paper, you know, there's no, you know, there's some pretty rowdy blokes, you know, you got dudes with chainsaws and horns and just generally pretty savage units getting around, which is great for yeah. us, but we love that stuff, you know, it's part of it, it makes makes it what it is, but Supercross is a lot more fan-friendly, especially for children and this kind of thing, so it definitely needs discussion about making it safer or or making some adjustments and What's your take on the SMX or what I just said, as well as the SMX and adding some races? Um, that's another divisive topic. Yeah. I mean, none of the guys wanted more races. Like I know that for a fact, like that's, that's, that's not like a up for debate, like rumor topic. Like the guys already have too many races. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know, to be honest. Um, I think it's interesting 
Yeah, it's going to be real interesting to see how the SMX stuff plays out because if you've got guys in Supercross that have already qualified for the playoffs at the end of the year and you're not going to be a dude that's in the title hunt for the outdoor championship and the you're not getting like that much in terms of bonuses and stuff, I mean, they've probably created a system where dudes are going to kind of like dip in and out just to make sure that they've like qualified to go to the playoffs. So yeah, I honestly don't know how that's that's going to work out. And I, I definitely think like, I know the Ken's World Supercross signing, I think was a pretty big deal. Um, you know, kind of guarantees them a marquee dude for a few years. Uh, I'm sure they all shit their pants when Kenny hurt his knee the other night. Oh, yeah. I was shitting my pants for him, to be honest. Um, but yeah, I think you're about to see a lot of dudes in the next, I'd say, two years leave the AMA for World Supercross. Like, and I don't think that that's, I'm not saying that as like a fuck the AMA thing. Like, I just think that's the reality of what's going to happen. Like, they're going to just age out. Like, but I think, um, you know, Anderson is probably one of those guys that's going to go to WSX. Like, I know he loves to travel. Uh, he loves doing those races. He's got a great relationship already with uh, with Bailey and the team. Cooper's the same. I mean, he might do a couple years, like maybe he goes to start, tries to get a couple championships with those guys, and then goes again like he likes to travel. Ken's already going to be over there. I think, think Marv uh, Moosegan would be pretty primed, wouldn't he? Yeah, like Marv's another one. Like he's kind of out in no man's land right now. And then I think that you've got uh, Barsha, his wife's from the UK. They've said that they want to move back to Europe. So I just think through no like AMA is better than W, through none of like none of that. I just think purely through riders and their circumstance. I think that the WSX in let's say 2025. It's going to be a pretty sick sort of championship. And I think um, like one of the things that to kind of go back to the injuries talk is it's almost like a the AMA series is almost like a just a suffer fest. Like who can suffer the most, who can grind the most, who can be there for the whole championship and then do it again for outdoors and then string together five of those years. Whereas... The WSX, and it wasn't really apparent to me until we went and did it last year. It's like, so Australia, they fly in on Monday. They got Tuesday to recover. They went to Urban Surf on Wednesday and did like all their press stuff. Thursday, they did more press stuff. And then Friday, they did practice. Saturday, they raced. So it's like, they actually can't race. Uh, They can't practice before they race. And everyone's on a level playing field. Like every, they get more practice on Friday. Everyone gets like the feeling back. And like Kenny wasn't that good on Friday at WSX. And he was like, man, I just haven't rode for a while. But then by Saturday, they were all ripping. Everybody was where they were. So I think that that's one of the things Zach Osborne, we actually put a post up yesterday about the whole injury thing. And Zach Osborne said they need to limit the time that you can that you can practice because I think that's that's really the problem with the whole AMA Supercross series is you've got those seventeen races, but then you're fl- you're traveling like on public airlines, so you're dealing with shit flights, sick people, like late times. You you losing so much of your week to travel, 
and then you go straight home and you're cycling and gym and tra- like the the workload that the body has to maintain and then like the mental side of it to to maintain and then you do that for supercross then you go straight into motocross like i just think that that and and to zach osborne's point like how do you enforce a you can only test like once every two weeks it's just not dudes have tracks in their backyard so it's almost like a race to the bottom in a sense of like who can grind it out the most and i think that you know for athlete longevity it's probably the worst thing and you know you look at like we're friends with moto gp guys and their schedule's just so different they they never really ride road bikes they're never exposed to the risk that they are because let's face it like when you're race when you're practicing supercross you're exposed to almost the same risk you know um and so like jack he'll cycle he'll do gym he'll ride motocross but that's it and ovales like the mini bikes but they're kind of like searching for other ways to keep himself fit ricardo like literally does nothing like he just does does his gym work <laughs> like and maybe some maybe some sim stuff but he's one of the old school guys that doesn't really translate the sim to the track so it's like those guys they're that's why you can see like a fernando alonso at 40 still killing it because it's like you just you haven't been as exposed to the risk the grind isn't the same um so yeah i just think that the way that that series is structured and how our sport is structured that you can just go buy a bike and go and ride a stock bike at your house <laughs> like where it's very very unique in that in that sense you know yeah the career management um aspect that you were talking about with other sports is um pretty obviously pretty special and you know it, you, you know you want to be there for the races don't you and these guys are killing themselves traveling you know training and the exhaustion must just be absolutely piling up especially for privateers by by round 17 and um obviously it's going to be interesting with that smx like you said because I think it was Wage was discussing it and he said like a lot of those dudes that finish in the top 10, they'll probably still make it. So they don't really have to do that much outdoors because the the, the smaller guys, are they're probably picking up, you know, seven to 10 points a week and it's still not enough to catch up to, to someone yeah. like a Colt Nichols or something like that or a Dean Wilson. So they don't have to do outdoors. They can still do World Supercross and they can still do SMX. I believe the schedule permits that quite well. Um, So they can sort of just be AMA, AMA Supercross and World Supercross and then still do the SMX. So it's going to be a bit of a challenge because come those last few rounds of um, AMA outdoors, when it's, yeah, like you said, it's gnarly, it's brutal. It's, it's, it's no joke. So guys that are qualified, do they just pull out and start resting up and, you know, recuperating their focus for sure. And, and then, you know, it's, and then you've got your WSX, which is great for the sport in a lot of ways that, um, yeah, it gives guys money, longevity. um, They get to travel the world. They get to grow the sport to fans and, and markets that have never seen it, obviously in person, because it's one thing, you know, watching it on TV, but the, the gravity of it in person is pretty amazing, especially in those like Asian markets and South American markets are huge, just prime for the picking. So, yeah, yeah well, I think that's, that's your take the biggest, that? yeah, I think that's like the biggest upside for this whole deal is like, I mean, I've, I do a lot of traveling and, you know, we, we ride motorcycles across Vietnam and you know like my dad and i got like one of my dad and his best mates they they do like a bunch of these tours so jason thatcher he owns vietnam motorcycle tours and then cambodia tours my dad goes on a bunch of them and uh 
you know, you ride through these these Asian countries, especially, and you'll see, like, the guy, these kids will hear the bikes coming up the hill, and then they'll, like, run out into their yard, and they've got a scooter with, like, Monster Energy and Red Bull and Repsol, and then they're, like, fully in the position, like, trying to drag in their elbow and, you know, like, trying to, trying to look the part. And it's like, that's the reality is like the, it's a, the world's a really big place. And in so many countries, motorcycles outnumber cars by a ridiculous amount. And, you know, you look at the global appeal of like MotoGP, I think Jack Miller's second biggest audience or maybe his biggest audience on his Instagram account is Indonesia. Yeah. I you think know, the so MXGP TV guys were saying that's like their most popular audience is, is there too, or, or Asia, you know, that region of Asia. So it's, it shows a testament to it, doesn't it? Yeah, hundred percent. And I think that that's the, that's the thing that a lot of people kind of aren't thinking about with Supercross. And, um, and once we start going to those places, once we start getting those big audiences, then I think it opens up the door for global brands to step into the sport because you think about, you know, service like uh, mobile service providers and banks that are in Indonesia. And like, there's all of these companies that are in uh, these countries that that they have no representation in the sport. You know, like Movistar was a big one, you know, that, that I think of and like, yeah, Repsol. And so I think that that's going to be huge because Supercross is, as far as two wheels go, I mean, Supercross is the coolest sport. That, that we have it's like the way that formula one is the cool like MotoGP. don't get me wrong MotoGP is fucking gangster and i think that that's like those dudes are insane but every MotoGP dude wants to be a supercross racer you know like there's just something about it i think it's what we all kind of like grow up watching it's just it's got a way of capturing our attention in a well, you look at Davizioso, he's like a full moto head like he races some pro races like he's an animal he loves it yeah dude they all are man so i think that yeah once that once that market can get serviced yeah I, I really think you're gonna see um yeah like a real growth growth in the sport and even countries like india like i got invited to go and, and ride uh, in the in india and go to one of their supercross races and Living in Dubai, I mean, there's like a whole group of guys that, that ride there. Like, I haven't missed a beat. I, I ride every single Saturday, and I bought a bike there, and I started riding every single Saturday. And I got a group of boys I ride with in Oz. I got a group of boys I ride with in Dubai. So it's like there's – it's such a global sport, and I think – Are they hardcore fans of Supercross and like MXGP as yeah, well? fuck yeah. 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 That's so cool, eh? Yeah, yeah, it's just everywhere that you go, you know, the world's a, a big place. Um, and I think, yeah, when we've kind of got a championship, that's like just servicing those people. And I think about, like, I'm excited. I want to go to the German Supercross this year just to see Kenny's reception there. You know, like, it's got to be, like, he's a fucking star, man. You know, what what he's done, where he's come from to have the career that, that he's had. I mean those fans have got to be pumped. Like he should be national news in Germany. The fact that like he's, he's responsible essentially for bringing a supercross race to Germany. 
yeah, the fans get around their sports in Germany, like being, you know, covering a lot of soccer, European football, like the Bundesliga fans are the absolute wildest. Like they still have like a lot of structures in place where fans own teams, not like big companies and, yeah, and stuff like yeah. so they're really like a 50 plus one ownership models and yeah, they oh, absolutely love their teams. They're always fill, filled up. They got standing areas like big ass TFOs, big flags and banners that stretch you know, the length of the the width and the length of the field in some cases, it's crazy. So they should be right up for it. And um, yeah, it was well, just to sort of touch on Europe as well. You go, have you got something to say about that? Oh yeah, I was just going to say, like, I think that that's one really good thing about the, the crew that are behind WSX as well is like they're very cognizant of that and and the importance of, of that. Um, and I think that as far as PR goes, as far as... Uh, you know, like contacting the news, like they're re- they're hustling, like they're really hustling to get the message out, and I think they understand it as good as as good as anybody. So I think that that's kind of one of the other things that that excites me about it. Yeah, they're doing a good job. Obviously, they they cop a bit of flack and um for some of their their marketing and promotions, but you know they got to they got to do it. You know, it has to be done because people need to know about it and. The people that more people, the more eyes on it, the better for the sport in general. Because Supercross is not just you know an American thing; it should be you know transported across the world, and that's what these guys are trying to do. And they openly say we're not in com- competition with AMA; we love it. What's and it's, um, it's how much threat a, do you feel from the AMA for it? No, like none. Like it's just not a zero sum game. Like this is a positive sum game. Like we're only adding to the sport, and you know, like people are saying it's funny when all these announcements have come out of riders that are riding WSX, it went from, Oh, no one's going to, no one's going to race the fucking WSX. And then now the comments are like, Oh, well, I guess motocross in America is dead. And it's like, you guys are looking at this all wrong. I always say this, that Alex Martin is sitting on a couch somewhere. That dude should be that, that dude should have a ride for the outdoors. Like he fucking rips. Like he's a top 10, 450 guy and then you take some of the you know like you take ken roxon out and you take a fucking whoever out and now he's like way up there in in that outdoor championship or like a, a jeremy martin like in the same way that guys are supercross only like why isn't there motocross only guys you know there's guys that are way better at motocross that struggle in supercross so it's like we're just shifting things around and we're creating more rides more dudes that can get rides uh, and then, you know, you think about the infrastructure that's going to be around Supercross in Europe now, like maybe we see a Tom Vial be way better than he was this year, not have like the huge learning curve. Maybe there's more Dylan Ferrandeses that come out of the woodworks. Like, I just don't, it's this, it isn't like a, a, a zero sum contest where like all of a sudden now they've ruined the sport. It's like all they've done is just add, there's 20 more mechanics that need jobs. There's 20 more riders that, or 40 more riders that need jobs. There's 10 more team managers. There's, you know, so it's like, that's, this is all a good thing. Let's face it. The sport's not really that big anyway. Like it's a pretty niche sport still. It needs to grow. And this is the the kind of, you know, it needs to elevate itself somehow. And these kind of things can only be seen as good news from at least my perspective anyway. And yours probably, you know, being a, a site that covers the sport and we, you know, we look to do a lot of stuff with WSX and have a presence with them and, um, you know, do some podcasts with them because they're good dudes and they're, they, they're in the right place and they know what they're doing. And we certainly trust that they're going to bring a good series. And they, you know, they admit openly that we made mistakes last year and they're not shying away from that because, you know, you see a lot of promotional companies uh, in European motocross or whatever, 
and they just sort of, you know, keep it under the rug. We won't own up to anything. But those guys were straight on it, asking people, what do we do wrong? Let's fix it. Even between yeah. the first and the second round, they were just yeah. onto it, trying to fix stuff. And you got to admire that, don't you? Yeah, yeah, 100%. No, I mean, I've, I've been friends with, like, Adam Bailey has known me since I was, like, 17. And we've been friends since I was, like, literally a teenager. So um, I've seen that dude do a lot of different stuff. So I've definitely, I've got no, uh, no, like, real doubts or fears like i know that he's going to do his best that's for sure yeah it'll be cool mate and obviously just switching tack to mxgp now obviously you went to the recent round in trentino um had a good chat with paul while you were there i don't know if you saw the saw the boss at mx vice james down there and the boys but um yeah yeah yeah, it's uh how how was it from your experience obviously we talk talk to riders all the time i do anyway and um yeah the track was pretty savage uh with that with the sort of soft stuff and then it's down to the concrete and the hard um you know, really sketchy track, hard to get tire selections, right? A lot of guys were saying, and yeah, it looked, looked brutal. Um, how was it from your perspective and just, just how was the, the vibe and the atmosphere? Cause the fans certainly go wild for it, don't they? Yeah, man, I loved it. Eh? Um, all the, the MXGP staff were epic. Um, so the, the whole crew was really rad. It was really good to meet the guys, um, especially like Francesco and the, the crew that's doing the behind the gate series as well. Like I think they're doing, a really good job. Um, yeah, I mean, I think that the GPs are just awesome. Like the the level of riding there is so insanely high, and the 450 class there is just probably as good as it's ever been. Um, and I think Jeffrey's killing it again. Prado's killing it. Like you got, then you got Fernandez, you got Fevre, you've got all the Yamaha guys. You um, know, Guadagnini getting his first podium last week. Like it's just crazy, and even the. The dudes like Bogus and Jonas who are struggling this year, but they're like, you know, on their when they've got the right bike and the setup, like last year, top five podium guys, Bogus even won at uh, Lommel. Like they're just legit, aren't they? Yeah. And I think it's just cool. Like they get to specialize in motocross all year. They don't have the pressure of switching and, uh, and they're just savages, man, like just legitimate savages. So yeah, I enjoyed the whole experience. Uh, definitely would like to get to another one at some point this year, but you got any lined up, mate? Not sure, eh? Just depends on when I'm back in Europe. I think I'm definitely, I'm definitely going to go to mo- to motocross nations. Maybe I think Madley Basin, you might be able to duck in, maybe do that beforehand, and then hit the nations or something like that. It'd be pretty awesome because a lot of the the American riders will say, uh, and even a lot of the GP guys like Tony Carolides, like Madley Basin's just sick, you know. So if you yeah, can do that, I'll it'd be pretty that. cool. Yeah, maybe I will do that, eh? But yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I had a I had a ball. I think that the the GPs like. I would definitely really love to see that series keep growing and progressing and getting better and better because, yeah, it's just a crazy level of, of talent and the speed. Like, it was cool for me. I actually hung out with the Factory Cowie dudes a lot. Um, Tucker, one of the suspension guys with shower and he's one of the test riders for Factory you know him Cali. well don't you because he grew up in Australia. Yeah, he's like a real good friend of mine. So I actually just kind of like hung with him the whole time and just being around seeing the the lengths that they went to 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 get Fevra's bike so dialed and then you watch him ride it and it's like holy fuck like that's actually the sickest bike um so yeah just the that whole MXGP what they've got going on the way that the factories can build factory bikes like there's some really cool shit that, that that series is doing with some really badass guys so yeah it's uh it's definitely cool and it's cool to have a bit more of a presence like prado is going to do the podcast coming up um 
and yeah, try and get a, a few more of those boys on the show. Um, but yeah, I'm a big fan. Yeah, it's sick, mate. Because yeah, now you see Fevre, he was charging. Obviously, him and Hurlings had that tangle, but you know he is a weapon, and he's he sadly missed out the race with that with another you know qualifying crash incident in Spain. But like he's been flying this year. He's just been getting stuck behind dudes, and he just hasn't chips haven't fallen his way. But you love to see him ride. He's like power finesse sort of uh, epitomized, isn't he? He's just really great control, throttle control, and he's just so fast. It's just in Portugal he had a great ride and um. He really wanted to race that Sunday in Spain, but he, he was like, let me race. I'm ready. I don't care if I'm knocked out, you know, like I'm ready to go. And they were like, no, nah, you, you can't. Sorry, mate. And you would have seen a pretty cool look into Anti Piran and obviously the team's owned by Kimi. Oh, he's, Those he's guys are super professional, eh? Yeah, dude. Auntie's the man. Yeah, we uh, we, we got to, yeah, we hung out there the, the whole time. And it's cool because one of the kids that I grew up with, so Mitch Evans, Todd Waters, Jackson Richardson, Wilson, Todd, like there was a crew of us. We all grew up in the same town. So, uh, and Todd rode for auntie at, at, uh, Husky. So it was kind of like, it was cool as well to have like the connection between Todd and auntie and Tucker. Like, so yeah, it felt like a little, felt like a little, uh, little boy. You know? Yeah. Yeah. It was sick. Yeah. They speak a lot about, uh, Todd pretty highly. That's for sure. Over there. They still do. And, um, he's still going, mate. He's an absolute weapon, isn't he? But yeah, those yeah. those dudes. Um, good to see Evans getting back into it too. Obviously, the poor bloke's just been just riddled with injuries. Um, you, you see what he did do last year. Obviously, you must be so happy for him. He he obviously switched from to the factory Cowie team this year. A lot of speculation about should have he or Fernandez or who the, who they should have gone with HRC. Obviously, they went with Ruben, and he's doing a bloody good job too. But um, yeah, Mitch, hope to see him back to those top ten speeds. Um, you know, pretty soon because it's just good for Australian motocross and good for you as a mate too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's just so fast too. You know, like he's really thinking testing at the start of the season with Cowie, they they could see how fast he was. So I just I hope that he can stick around for another year and like actually get a chance to to show what he's got. But yeah, I guess he's just struggled with those. Yeah. those and he looks like he's not trying. He's one of those guys you watch and he looks like he's just effortless, um, a bit like Prado in that way, like just really smooth and just always looks in control, which is um just shit luck that he's had these crashes because once he gets a base and that continuity, I reckon he could do some pretty major things too. Oh, I completely agree. Yeah. And obviously, you know, Jeffrey pretty well. You've done podcasts. You've done some video stuff with him. Um, has, what's your take on his start to the, the series? Obviously he's built nicely. Um, the bike, the bloke's a beast. He's racing all the off weekends. He just wants to just set intensity and the dedication and just be pretty insatiable appetite for victory to break records for success. Um, Chatted to JT last week and he said it's like he's sort of doing revenge racing, just wanting to get everything after it after he missed that time. And um pretty ominous for the rest of them with all the momentum he's building, isn't it? Yeah, I think he's definitely the favorite to win for me. Um, I think that I think that the guys are gonna struggle to beat him, to be honest. Like he's just so gnarly. Like I just I don't know that there's a guy out there that's more obsessed with the sport and more obsessed with but even like the cool thing with Jeffrey is that he's one of those dudes that watches everything. He's like the motocross overlord, you know, like there's nothing gets past him. And I think, I can't remember what he asked me when like we saw, like we were hanging out at Trentino and straight away it was Ben Trace and like, have you heard about this? I, I can't, maybe it was like where Cooper was going or like something, but yeah, just relentless, like, oh, what did you hear about this? What do you think about this? What? So he's just such a student of the game, such a fan of the sport. And I think, like, 
I think about Conor McGregor when he was in his prime. The dude was just obsessed with the sport. He knew everything, every fighter, ev- like it was just all consuming. And, and it seems like it, it's the same for Jeff. Um, so yeah, you hear him I mean, talking about back to the 80s where he like knows records and with Everett's record, he's like, yeah, I got, I got my moto wins though. And, you know, he just like, and he, and he plays with his competitors a bit. He's like in the qualifying race in Spain. He's like, I'll let Prado have the win for the, for the Spanish fan. I won't show everything i got kind of thing. And you wait till Sunday and I'm all over you. You know, he's pretty, pretty crazy. Dude. Yeah, dude. So I think uh, the sport is definitely better when he's racing too. You know, like I just don't, and it would have been, it would have been so good to see him and Tim go at it again, like add Tim into the mix. Um, but yeah, like I said, I just think that the GPs have so much talent and so much storyline there to to work with. And yeah, Jeffrey's still the king of Europe as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Do, you, do you think he's putting too much unnecessary risk doing all these extra races? Obviously, he's a unique, complex human that's just, you know, pretty not really normal the way he approaches things. And, um, and even he's talking about doing the AMA one weekend and then winning the, the Dutch championship, you know, two days later, like what's your take on that sort of approach? Fuck. Just let him eat. eh? Yeah. <laughs> Big dog's got to eat. <laughs> yeah. Why not? And um, obviously with the TV show, they're doing all they can to raise the profile. Cause um, you know, they, these dudes deserve the coverage and the respect and, you know, just to see everyone in the world know what it's all about. And, you know, talking to a dude like um, Jan Pansar, a Slovenian, um, pretty much going to every GP in a camper and he's getting top tens in MX2 and he's studying mechanical engineering and um, James had a great chat with him and yeah, he's pitting out of a camp with his dad, pretty much stock bike, but he's got a, a Krapovic pipe because um, pipe he's Slovenian, so he's got the connect there, but just cool unsung heroes like that doing it the hard way, isn't it? Yeah, there's so many guys like that in the sport and like we just did a podcast with Duran Stapleton the other day, Aussie, Aussie guy over in the AMA and like, he literally has done races where he's just gone by himself, like Supercross, qualified for the night show, and he's like locking the van and hiding the key underneath the fucking wheel well of his van and then going and racing AMA Supercross. Like the sport just breeds really, really cool people. So, yeah, there's so many of those good stories. And I think that, yeah, I guess that's our job, you know, is to like fire people up. Like, because the way I think about it is, you know, for if you're a soccer fan, you've got something to think about 24-7 as a soccer fan. Like, they never let you go. They never let you go watch something else. And I think that, you know, when I first started the podcast, like, I didn't feel like that in Moto. You know, like, I'm an MMA fan, and I could literally just be in MMA 24-7. And that wasn't sort of the case with, with Moto. And that's why, like, on our Clips channel, we post every single day. So it's like there's always something, like even if they've heard it on the full podcast before, maybe they haven't seen the, you know, like the actual video and interactions of it. And it's like, how do we just keep people thinking about moto, in moto, wanting to ride moto? Like, just let's just stay here in the same way that soccer does that with, with their fans, you know? So, yeah. And WX fills a bit of a void too, doesn't it? It, it keeps oh, people sure. on the pulse. And I remember a chat you had with Regan Duffy and he was like, after that horrible accident, it's good to see him back. He was like, I'm doing this and I just, you know, want to spread the message and get people riding dirt bikes. And that's kind of what you're all about too, isn't it? Oh man, a hundred percent. And yeah, like I, I froth it more than I ever have. Like I, I love riding now more than ever you know I'm, I'm trying to ride literally twice a week every single week no matter what and um and you know like our our saturday 
rides like or text my mates like oh see you at church on saturday like that's that is like my that's like our thing you know um so yeah and i think that we're, we're so lucky that we've got a sport that you can participate in so like you can be a fan but then you can also go and do the same thing and i think that that's one of the coolest elements of our sport too yeah it's pretty relatable to fans obviously things like motor gp and f1 they're like prototype completely you know one-off yeah. machines really we're you know, dirt bikes. If you if you are uh, if you wanted to, you could try and qualify for a race, or you get your license. It's possible, you know. So the dream sort of stays alive a little bit longer in moto. And just to sort of chat about Aussies again, like it's just it's, the sport's in a really good place here. Obviously, um, you know, with the two Lawrence boys, um, just absolutely killing it. And then you got Mitch Evans and lots of really good dudes back home in Australia. Um, just your take on the Lawrence brothers, firstly, and obviously we chat chat about Mitch. But yeah, the sport's in a good spot, isn't it? Yeah, the Lawrence boys are just something else, man. Like, I think, um, yeah, I'm pretty excited to watch Jet on the 450. Like, I, I really think that he's just going to fuck shit up. Like, I just, he's such a crazy talent, you know. Like, I don't even, I, don't, I got the feeling that we don't even know what we're in for. Um, and, yeah, I think that he's been riding the 450 a lot lately. Um I've heard he's crazy fast, like stupid fast on it. Um, then obviously we saw what he did at Motocross the Nations. So yeah, I think that we're about to enter a pretty, pretty gnarly era of the sport. Um, and then I think Hunter's probably the the championship favorite for the for the outdoors. I think that he's just going to be. I don't think he's going to be as dominant as what Jet was when he won. Um, but I think that his consistency, his racecraft, his just overall speed. Like, I just think it's, I think he's just, it's time for him to win that championship. And I think he's just going to do what it takes to, to get it done. Um, but yeah. And then I think you'll probably see him and Jet on a 450 together in Supercross too, which I think would be, and think you, be cool. you never know, maybe in the nations, if, um, if Mitch is struggling and not where he wants to be, you could see Jet and Hunter on the 450 at the nations. And then, you could go for someone like a Todd or a, or a Crawford on the on the 250 or if you wanted to, you know, switch it up. You Plenty of guys we got here beating Webster, Tanty, Cloud, and Ferris is absolutely shredding. Water's dude, like, I would, I would crazy, isn't it? Dude, I would straight up Jet, Hunter, and Ferris. Like, Ferris is, ki- bro, he's killing it. Like, even if he rode a 250F, like, just put him on a Yamaha 250. Like, he's won the races on a 250, you know? Like, yeah. Or if, if Hunter's wins the 250 title and he wants to ride a 250, put Hunter on the 250. But, yeah, like, honestly, Ferris, as as far as, like, a solid, reliable, he will deliver you two good moto results. I actually think that that could be a winning team. And he knows the tracks, obviously, better than most. Haven't, haven't true, been like true. A lot of Aussie boys have, like, Todd and Crawford have all gone over there and, uh, even dudes like Bailey Malkovich, a you know, really good rider, obviously injured at the moment. But yeah, it's pretty outrageous when you look at it, like speaking to some dudes like, you know, Webster, Duffy, Beaton before the season started. And they were like, it's probably the most stacked ever MX1 class, or at least in the last 10 years, you know, like the dudes we just said, Beaton, Webster, Tanny, Clout, Ferris, Waters, Gibbs, yeah, Regan, Metcalf. Like it's, that's crazy, isn't it? Like, that's, that's like. Well, we, we were talking about it the other day. If the Australian Motocross Series decided to go to the best tracks in Australia, we'd have one of the dopest outdoor championships in the world. 
Like it could be so sick, but they just go to shit tracks and it's no dig at the, the clubs. Like you've only got what you've got when it comes to the land and the dirt. Like there's, it's not a fucking dig at anyone, but there is some absolutely sensational tracks in Australia. Like Manjimup needs to be on the, the circuit. Another yeah, it's like, only oh, really East Coast series, isn't it? Well, you got, the thing is, man, WA has the best tracks in Australia. So you need to go there and you need to do like Manji one weekend, have an off week, and then you need to do Bunbury the, the following week and then go to a place like Murray Bridge the weekend before so that you're kind of like already at the start of the Nullarbor and then, you, you know, you need to make it easy and convenient for people um, to actually be able to pull it off and then maybe the next round is it like Gilman in South Australia. So it's like you're getting four rounds within that sort of loop there and then you go back up the east coast but man if australia went to the best tracks we would have the dopest championship and it would develop our riders way more you know i just really don't think that you get to see the best of what our guys have to offer on these tracks it doesn't give good racing i don't think it prepares them for europe or america um but man we've got we've got the talent and we've got the tracks we just need to like have those two come together at the same time we'll be cheering yeah because there's a lot of been a lot of talk about the start of the season obviously they had the tragedy in the round one at one baggy which is you know a lot of guys like quite like that track obviously the, the beaton's pro formula you know training setup's pretty awesome what's going on down there and um yeah and then yeah one uh wadonga was an absolute mutter that was just all over the shop and then yeah. yeah, Appen was uh that was before Wodonga and that was like forty degrees and just like basically a mudder because they wet the shit. Yeah, they never the but that track's never been good. Like I've I've been there so many times. That's never been good on a national. Like they just don't it's just not good dirt and they don't prep it good, you know. And then Coffs Harbor's obviously off the schedule this year, which was uh yeah, a few few comments about that one too. And and in Maitland uh the other weekend was probably the best race we've had this year with a lot of dudes. That's a funny track too, isn't it? Yeah, it's just shit. Like they're just they're eighty tracks. Like it's just a local club name. Yeah. You know, like Gum Valley is where you need to go. You need to go to Manji, you need to go to Bunbury, you need to go to Murray Bridge, you need to go And we're losing Coolum after this year, aren't we? Well, they've been saying that's going forever, but (laughs) it's still still there, so who fucking knows. And your thoughts on Toowoomba coming onto the schedule? Pretty good? Uh, that's a sick track. Yeah, that's, a, that's again, that's a, like a real motocross track. Like, that's a great track that definitely they, they should go to. Yeah, and um, obviously, it's the, there's some young guys. Obviously, we'll, we'll sort of wrap it up in the, in the next little bit. But, yeah, there's some young guys coming through. Obviously, Caden Mini is only like 15, and Owens went to do some AMX, and he's only 15 with um, Bud. And, um, yeah, you got Reese Bud as well. And, um, yeah, Bailey Malkovich, Barham, Ferguson. There's some fast dudes, eh? Like, it's... The future's looking pretty good, and if we can see Regan get back to where he where he knows he can be, he'll be coming over to Europe, I'd imagine, pretty soon. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that the the Aussie scenes, yeah, it's doing good. Like, there's a lot of people that ride here just in general, you know. Um, and there's a there's as much as like to say that those tracks are shit for like 450 nationals. They're not shit tracks, and there's like good in terms of the clubs that run them, you know, like there's really good clubs that, that run events all the time in Oz. So I think that, yeah, as far as it, that goes, like we, we've got a pretty healthy, healthy scene over here. And I think that's what it takes to, to breed these better riders. But I think that if we ever wanted to be serious on like a world stage, we can't just have these outliers, you know, like, I think there's a way that you can kind of set 
series and races up to where it sort of does like offer a bit more of like a path for the for the future you know obviously if they could marry that up with the tv package they have which is obviously on free to air and on a pay tv eh? platform it's like the possibilities are endless because it is a bloody good series and the coverage is there like like we cover a lot of euro stuff and yeah they definitely don't have the tv coverage and the the packages we have here um yeah it leaves a fair bit to be desired um some of them obviously the adac in germany runs a bloody good series and um you know people probably don't see much of it but yeah that's a really well-run series it's on youtube obviously it's in german but yeah the the aussie guys probably in terms of domestic championships i don't think anyone does it better yeah and i dude and i think that there's so much room for it to grow too you know like i think that I think that what you need is like that's why people watch the American races is because it's got the best tracks. Like everyone thinks about the tracks. Like you you name you name like Southwick, Redbud, Unadilla, Bud's Creek. Like they've all got this yeah, Ironman, they've all got this like history and like we got Maitland. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like who the fuck cares? <laughs> you know, like I think about like Gum Valley manjum up like they're brand names in themselves and i think that you know at the moment though that they're doing a really good job it's new people that are running the series i think it's only their second year so it's not like again it's not criticism it's just there's a there's a way to there's a way to keep progressing and i think that same like we said with bailey like there's good people that really want to make it work so i think that they will eventually and obviously the challenge is they have eight rounds, but they're so bloody spread out that, you know, the riders even say it's really, we have to race or, you know, they race the sunny coast and they race, you know, state championships. They've got to keep the level up, but, you know, they want to, you know, be better if they had like 12 rounds or something so they could just keep on the limit a bit more and, you know, maybe not risk those things but because they need to keep racing and getting gate drops. So that's obviously something that's pretty hard to, to combat. I know scheduling and stuff and travel and privateers getting to races and stuff, but do you think it needs to be uh, more condensed or at least longer? Yeah, I think you just got to think about it from like a a different point of view. Like take the racing out of it and think about it from like the content side of things. So if, if it was me, if they gave me the series and they were like, all right, you get the most amount out of this, I'd think about the content. Because every business these days is a content business. WSX is a content business that runs Supercross. Red Bull is a content business that sells drinks. Like, I'm a content business that, you know, like, we, I talk to people for a living. So, everything is a content business nowadays. And I think that you think the success of your company is almost on the back of the success of the content that you make. And so, it's like, to do eight rounds that's spread out over 10 months, or how long does the Aussie series run? How long is the Aussie series? Yeah, it's probably like six to seven months. Yeah, like so, so eight rounds over six months. Like the content's too spread out. <laughs> so like, but how are you going to keep people engaged in that? You know, and I think that that's one thing that as as much as 17 rounds is probably super gnarly for Supercross. It's like, you know, every Sunday morning you get it. It's a brand. It's like, you know, it's, it's something that you can rely on that's routine. So... Yeah, I think that you'd probably, purely from a content perspective, add more rounds, go to better tracks. But the thing that I've always said with like privateers, I just don't see why the series doesn't have a truck that you go to the privateers like, all right, you can put in your race bike, 
and you, a spare bike, a quick shade, a toolbox, and a like you know have almost like a flyaway package. It fits into a crate, and then they load it onto the trucks. So guaranteed that if you're a privateer and you sign up to those races, your bike, your race bike, can get to the races, and then. At the very least, you can fly in, get a rental car with your gear bag, and you've got, like, bare minimum. If there's other rounds that you can get to and drive to and bring more shit, cool. But, like, the whole of, you know, like, oh, the series is too hard for privateers. Like, that should be the biggest fucking no content, like, no comment. Like, just, that shouldn't even be a thing. Like, they already take trucks to the races with all their own signage. and So, yeah, I think that there's probably a few things that you could do that would, you know, make it easier for people without that much kind of hassles on the back end, you know? Yeah, the power and numbers theory definitely would ring true for that. You hear like, we spoke to Kevin Moran's pretty recently, I think you did too. And, um, you know, he gets his bike transported, you know, a lot of races. Yeah. So it just makes it easier for him. Not, you know, it's not easy for him at all, but, you know, one thing he had less he has to do from fixing parts, swapping out things and all the media and all that stuff he has to do. So it's just one less thing for these dudes and half of them, especially in Australia, they'd be working full-time jobs too. So just to yeah, ease the burden anyway makes sense. Yeah, and if you're the Australian Motocross Championship and you can't get a transport partner, then, like, you're doing something. you like, you sack whoever's job that is because, like, you should be able to, if you've got TV time, like, just sell it as a as a sponsor to get a, a truck and, you know, actually create some infrastructure. Like, you could literally get that for free. Yeah. Yeah, well said. Yeah, there's definitely some things to that they want to be working on, but it's, yeah, in the grand scheme of things, for a domestic championship, they're doing they're doing well. It's on the right direction, and just focusing back on you, mate. Um, what's the schedule looking like for you? Um, how's the you got some big pods coming up, no doubt, and you're off to some more races. You're going to some F1, motor GP, some outdoors. What's nations even? What's what's on the what's on the horizon? Honestly, free as a bird at the moment, eh? Just uh, yeah, just got got back to Oz, uh, and yeah, trying to figure out the schedule. I'm waiting on a US visa at the moment. Um, so yeah, when I get that, that'll kind of like dictate when I go back to the US. Um, I think once I've got that visa, I'm probably going to start spending a lot more time over there. Uh, we've already got our studio over there that we work out of now. Um, but I'll actually be doing like in-person stuff, um, there. So I'm pretty excited for that, to be honest. That's, I'm like really going to try and step shit up a bit once uh once i'm there and i think i'll definitely like depending on when that happens i'll definitely go to some outdoors um hopefully going to be at the playoffs um for i wouldn't mind going to the the la the finale for that um i think i'll probably be at some world supercrosses i think i'll definitely be at the first round um and then it's cool silverstone is the weekend after that for f1 I think Danny actually has like a tire test there or he's doing some, he's actually doing something there. Um, so yeah, it'd be cool to watch that. I think uh, I'm going to go to the MotoGP in Austria. So I think that'll be, that'll be cool. Um, and then really going to try and get to one of the downhill world champs, uh, world cups as well. Yeah. I was like, when I ask you about that, how, um, how much more popular is that than say motocross and supercross? Like it's just massive. Dude, I actually don't know how to gauge that eh? like i think as a um that's another area that i'm like really gonna sort of try and kind of push into a bit more because that that was what i did before motocross like i actually raced raced downhill because i could afford a downhill bike i couldn't afford a motocross bike and uh so that was like my first love um 
but I think as far as the sport goes in terms of like the umbrella, mountain biking would be way more popular than let's say motocross. But then I don't know, like motorcycling, is it more popular? I, I, I don't know, like either way they're massive. So um, for me though, I think that my audience is like two wheels. So for me, it's like I need to just push into, and four wheels as well, I guess. Um, I guess anything with wheels, we'll, we'll say that. But um, but yeah, just the plans for me this year, I'm just going to, while I'm having a bit of a building year of like trying to set up the US, trying to set up Dubai, trying to kind of, I'm in that mode this year. Um, so I think I'm going to probably sacrifice a little bit of uh, podcast consistency or like the numbers, like 2020, 2021, we just put out like, a stupid amount of podcasts. It was like two, three a week. Um, so I think that we won't be able to get those numbers this year. Um, but I think instead of that, I'm just going to really focus on trying to get cool, cool guests in different, different lanes and just sort of try and like build ourselves up in, um, in different areas of, of these wheel sports, you know? Yeah. Do you have any like future? What's the sort of the in five years? Would you like to be in Dubai still, or would you like to be living in America or the bloody Netherlands watching GPs or back in Oz? Have you, have you sort of got any pipeline work or not sure yet? Uh, yeah, I've got like a, I got a pretty big goal of like building a really dope studio in Dubai. Like I think that, um, I, first of all, I, I really like it there. Um, the people are really cool. Uh, you're just around, big big vision thinkers when you're there and you know you can go to a lunch and you can say your most grand plans and the conversation is like all right i know this person i know this person i know this you know and, and i I do like that kind um, of uplifting whereas you might say that and people will start shitting on your idea or something where they're like let's do it make it happen yeah yeah a hundred percent so i think um i've got some pretty big like plans on the business side of things in terms of what i think um because I think we're in like a pretty unique position with the podcast. Like I grew this thing from scratch. Like I had, I had zero followers on the Gypsy Tales account and all of them, zero subscribers, zero followers, zero. I never paid a dollar for any advertising. It was all organic and we managed to build a platform that has like millions and millions. Like I think we're at like 60 or 70 million downloads, you know? So it's like, I, th- I think that's quite, a unique position to be in and the fact that I've like I know every single part of the business like I know how to get the guests I know how to do the editing I know the cameras I know the distribution I know like the advertise like that whole thing um so I kind of one of the cool things about Dubai is like I, I kind of want to like use that um and you know build a pretty special kind of studio and a special sort of place um over there and I think that that's like a, a really cool place to do it. But I think ideally for me, I just want to be able to have these bases in different countries and they all talk to each other and it's like have a kind of a bit of a global network and I can sort of cruise around. Like I think about what Gabriella does from Alpine Stars. I'm not sure if you've ever met him. Um, yeah, so dude, Gabriella's so gnarly. Like we're at Abu Dhabi F1. And as soon as I walked in, I saw Gabriella and he's like, oh, Jason. So we started talking and then I'm, I'm like, oh, what are you doing for dinner tonight? Like, let's get dinner. And uh, and he's like, oh, I'd love to, but I, I have a flight. I need to go. And then he was flying from Abu Dhabi to like Malaysia for a superbike test. 
And then from there, he was gone. So he's just like, the world is his office, you know? Uh, so I think for me, that's sort of, that's sort of what I, I want to, uh, I want to get to is just go anywhere in the world. I got cool setups to, to do the podcast and I can sort of just, yeah, go where I want and, and do what I want and, uh, bring people cool shit to listen to. Yeah. Free reigning. Obviously got a couple of boys down there helping you out and they can sort of hold the fort down one and do stuff. But to help yeah. you out, obviously traveling takes a lot of time out, doesn't it? Yeah, we've got, um, so there's two boys, Ronan and Alex that, that work for us and, um, and yeah, they're like killing it. It's, um, they both literally started out of school. So they both were working here after school. They're both moto, they both ride. Um, and yeah, they started working here literally after, after school on like weekdays, you know, and then they both just got jobs straight out of school and they've got to the point now where like, I'm not really doing any editing. Like I used to do, I used to do everything. And then slowly it sort of, um, got to the point where now they pretty much do, do everything. Um, and it's like, I want, I've actually even got bigger plans for them too, you know, like they won't stay doing that. Like I, I think they're hopefully like their jobs get replaced by other young dudes that, you know, ride and love filming and editing and like want to kind of get into the industry. And then like Rones will be doing, he's, he's sort of like whatever I don't, not whatever I don't want to do, but like the stuff that I would have normally done. I'm like, all right, this is now for you. Like you, it's and it might be random shit. It's like, oh, we need this to, we need this deck build, or we need. So I think for him, he'll like kind of go in in that sort of direction, um, and then and then yeah, Griff's like the full podcast content lord. So I think that his his skills will get you know developed and used in in other areas. So I think that's like a pretty cool thing as well as like when you can when you build a good team around you and and they grow and then you bring new people in and everyone's kind of like leveling up so it's a it's definitely a um it's definitely just a real fun business to be involved with and i don't know how many people i don't know how many people that would like watch the podcast or listen to the podcast would really understand like how gnarly we are on like the business end you know like we go so above and beyond on everything like we've got these networked hard drives that we're all plugged into it you know like we're just super techy and nerdy and like we try and have a really dope brand internally and we're all like kind of working on something cool so yeah you're pretty hard on them mate or you sort of got to the point where they know the program now nah i'm not really that hard on you anymore eh, Rones? <laughs> i'm not really that hard on you anymore eh? oh. <laughs> he goes oh nah sometimes <laughs> maybe the boss living in dubai helps eh <laughs> yeah no nah, no nah, that yeah i actually left him alone pretty much the whole time i was away it was nice <laughs> we've had blo- we've had blow-ups before though they've uh they've copped it a couple times yeah mate it's part of it isn't it and obviously um a couple more for you mate obviously your thoughts on the stark you obviously wrote it looked like everyone was saying how awesome it was even you did a video saying how good it was and just the sport uh in general obviously you know beaters in triumph and ducati are coming uh pretty good times for motocross isn't it yeah, man, honestly, I think um, the to touch on the Stark thing, first of all, like, yeah, it's it's a really great bike, but as much as it's a really great bike, there's the people at the top of that company are really great people. Um, and I think that the people at that company excite me as much as the bike, if that makes sense. Um, and 
the customers and the industry or like just the general consumer that only see the bike. But I think that, um, yeah, I think that just the, who they've got working on it, Anton, you know, right from the top, like I actually stayed with him in Barcelona. Um, and you know, we spent a week hanging out and like the guy's just so impressive as a person. Um, and I think that for the industry to have a guy like him running such a big company, like they've got, a you know, they just got a bunch of investment from the company that owns Royal Enfield. So like all of their scaling and the, you know, being able to produce the, the, um, the numbers that they've got to produce, they've got a bunch more models that they want to release. So yeah, I think that, um, it's exciting times just because we have a really new innovative crew of people in the industry with some cash with a great product. Um, and I think that that's going to do wonders for the sport. I might even race that thing at world vets. Oh, oh, really? Yeah. Which would be pretty sick. Um, but yeah, like as, as far as the black goes too, it's, it's awesome. And, uh, it's come a fair way since I rode it this time last year. Um, I rode for like three days with Tortelli and literally was just putting like as much time as I could on it. I went home when my hands were too sort of ride basically. <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, that's exciting. And I think, yeah, just the sport in general is in a really good place right now. And I think that, I think that we're going to start to see it grow, uh, in a different way than what we have before. And I think I probably wouldn't have said that when I was starting the podcast, like, and I never thought the podcast would be as supercross and motocross heavy as what it is. Um, but once I started doing shows with certain people and I started seeing the people that were following the podcast and that were messaging me and talking about it and like the people that, you know, like Formula One guys, MotoGP guys, every top downhill dude, like actors, musicians, you know, once I, I started seeing that, I was like, fuck, this is actually crazy. Like, I don't think people understand who watches the sport. So like, we just don't have that social proof in comparison to the other sports because you see like at f1 you see the celebrities there they've always got them on tv that sort of stuff and i think that we've got that in motocross and supercross but we we don't show it just yet or it's not as out in the open um even like aaron plessinger and ken roxon did like the bussin with the boys podcast so they're two massive that's like a barstool sports podcast um so yeah i think that it's in a really good place. I think Ducati is going to bring something special to it. I think Triumph's going to bring something special to the sport. And then you've got Stark as well. So yeah, I think it's, we're in a really good spot. Um, and yeah, I think we've got a, a really good future. Yeah. And the racing's obviously been good. Great title battles in, in America, great title battles in Europe and, you know, Australia too, great title battle. And yeah, it's hard to see it not sort of elevating and, just one last thing, mate. I just wanted to get your thoughts on the 350 because I know you and uh, you and Keith are a big fan of those bad boys. So, um, yeah, that's your church, isn't it? 350 for life, baby. No, I actually bought a Gas Gas 450 in Dubai too because it was all that was there. And, uh, and I've actually, yeah, I've been loving that thing. So, I don't know, maybe I'm just a fucking moto dude. I just think I like them all. But uh, I'm very keen to ride my 350 now that I'm back in in Oz it's just been sitting in the shed patiently waiting uh so yeah I think I don't know like I think it's 
I, I would have probably had maybe 50 or 60 people like DM me at this point saying they bought a 350 because of the podcast. And I've had zero of those people message me and say that they made a mistake and that they wish they didn't get it. Um, I just There's a lot of chat about the legitimacy of like average blokes getting 450s, eh? Like, cause they're, re- they're just weapons, aren't they? And the tracks aren't really sort of conducive to getting the best out of them in a lot of ways. And they are bloody dangerous too. So yeah, the 350 is not a bad balance, is it? Well, I just think like the way that I would talk about it is that as an average dude, you drive into the track, it's like Saturday morning, you get a bacon egg roll on the way to the track and then you unload your bike and you get that four or five hours a week to ride. And that's like your one thing. You're probably not real fit. You're probably going to get arm pumped pretty quick, but like that's your thing that you do. So it's like what percentage, like the, the percentage of fun that you can have is really determined on the kind of bike you're on and how good the track is. And I think that, you know, most public tracks aren't amazing every single time that you ride. They're not prepped perfectly. So it's like, there's that. And then you add in a 450 that's, you're going to be like tired and kind of like scared. So then your percentage of fun goes down quite dramatically just based on the fact that you've got a 450 and the track prep's shit. So it's like, if you go to the track with a 350, I think in every single circumstance, your percent like your maximum percentage of fun that you can have just goes up so i just purely based on the math like i really think that math checks out so it's like for the average guy that's got such a limited amount of time and you want to have the most fun possible i just think a 350 is is the move so and that's why that's why i uh i just don't want to risk it you know (laughs) like i'm not going to risk going to the track and leaving disappointed because i was so fucking tired i couldn't ride yeah, yeah, yeah. You sort of end up riding you a bit the four fifties, I'd imagine. And um, yeah, just just the just the pricing of bikes. Obviously, you want to. They're expensive. The sport's expensive, and you don't want to be stacking and having to replace things or getting injured yourself. So you want to yeah maximize the enjoyment, mate, and minimize the, the sort of struggle, don't you? And what what's your and it's just to get back to the stark how what's the sort of price point going to be like that for in Australia? Do you reckon that's um sort of a bit don't. prohibitive or actually- but it's good for the good for like kids getting into sport because you can adjust everything isn't it and then obviously the controls and all that oh dude as far as that that bike goes um so first of all with price like the fucking specialized levo s works is like twenty five thousand dollars. <laughs> so whenever you're talking about price there's plenty of people that buy those bikes so like obviously there is people with money that ride two wheels so there's that but as far as the start goes, one of the reasons I'm the most excited for it is that I'll be able to take that to the track. Like my missus, she wants to ride every, every time we go to the track, you know? And, um, and she's, her experience of riding is living in Bali and riding a scooter everywhere for a year, you know? So like, and she rides my 350 and she wants to just kind of putt around on the Stark dude. You literally just like get your finger and slide it. And that you go, and that's the percentage or horsepower that you give the bike. So like give her 15 horsepower and I'm like, sweet, go for gold. Like you, you're not going to, you're not going to hurt yourself with that level of power. She's going to have fun. Like she could actually hold it wide open and, you know, like really enjoy it. The handbrakes are the same as a scooter. So it's like, it just, 
completely takes out all of the all of the difficulty level and like barriers to entry you know and if i've got a mate that or like ricardo is the perfect example you know like he rips on a 110 but he just doesn't have the same level of confidence on a big bike there's a lot going on he's worth a, a lot of money <laughs> like you can't get hurt so it's like you give him a stark he can adjust the power how he wants to he's got some handbrakes it takes again just takes a lot of the danger and the risk and the complication out of it or i go to the track with my dad he was a good rider back in the day but he's like 61 now so it's like give him the bike he can put the power where he wants it and it really it really is that easy too there's no you don't need tools you don't need nothing so i think fun uh, more fun isn't it oh and just entry level all the barriers to entry get removed that's pretty sick. Yeah, it's good to hear. It'll be good to, I don't know, when they're hitting uh, stores or anything in Australia. Yeah. No, they shipped them. I don't know when they're sort of, obviously, they're the pre-ordered things, I'd imagine. But when they start mass producing it to a, to a greater scale, it'll be pretty exciting for sure. Yeah. And how they integrate that into racing, uh, you might be the guinea pig, mate. Yeah, well, I've told them that, uh, I've told them that World Vets is uh, is the go, but we'll see how we go I'm already talking talking all the compass suspension i'm fucking i'm getting i'm getting it all g'd up yeah, yeah. Mate, there'll be certainly some eyes on you if you rock up there with one of them but uh <laughs> yeah that's probably a, i don't know whether that's a good thing though there's probably gonna be a bunch of dudes that are like fuck this guy especially if it gets like every hole shot and just you know because they hook up they're... super quick don't they they're just off aren't they oh man they're fucking so fast like people that people that say that oh they'll never be to 450 or like dude they're fucking ridiculous they're gonna have to they're definitely gonna have to figure out a way to slow them down to race 450s did you find it slow once you bet went back to the the, the normal bike no no you found the, no. New, the normal bike slow <laughs> way slower but i mean i did ride the i was riding in sand back in dubai but yeah like a a stark if i rode a gas-powered bike at the same track that I rode the Stark, I would be so much faster on the Stark. And just the acceleration and traction is ridiculous. Like, they've just, yeah. Have you ever driven a Tesla? No. Yeah, dude, go and drive a Tesla. It's the same thing. Yeah. After you drive a Tesla and you get back in a normal car, you're like, well, this is a bit fucking stupid. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, definitely put those two things on the list to do, mate. And um, last one before we go, just title picks for outdoors, AMA, and... um. Yeah, obviously both classes and yeah, MXGP picks, mate. Who you got? Uh, I think Hurlings wins the 450 class. I think uh, Yago looks pretty good for the 250 title. I don't think I don't think that's much of a, uh, a, a out there call. And then I think Hunter and Jet are going to win the the two titles for the yeah. Honda's going to win every title this year yeah. in in America. How about that? Yeah, go for it, mate. Well, especially, you know, it looks like there'd be a lot of factory guys missing uh, from the outdoors to at least start with. And especially, you know, they're saying Barsha might make it, but it's it's probably unlikely. You never know. He's a bit of an animal and loves to race. So, but yeah, that's good picks, mate. And um, before we let you go, I'll just give a shout out to the sponsors in um, Monster Energy, Fox Racing, Parts Europe, Scott, Bell Helmets, Acherbys, ASV Performance, Kawasaki UK, KTM UK, and even Strokes for all their supporters. Without them, there's no us. So, Thanks again, Jace, for joining us, mate. Had a, had a great chat and I uh, look forward to chatting again and all the best for the future. No worries, mate. Anytime, eh? All right. See you, mate. See you, mate.